ghosts, UFOs, alien encounters, and all things paranormal. These are real stories from real people. This is Fear of the Unknown. This is Mel from Flyball Governor, awesome Perth band. F L Y B A double L G O V apostrophe. No, okay. F L Y B A double L G O V apostrophe N O R. That's Flyball. exactly what I said. Gov. No. What are you talking about? Okay, so um, let's talk about some creepy stuff. Mm. I spoke to your husband Alex, and he was telling me about a couple of amazing. You got to check that one out, by the way. Whoever's listening, uh, it's the precognitive dream one. That was freaky. Yeah, that was really freaky. He had a dream that was vivid and weird, where he went to this this center, and he spoke to this blind guy who was playing darts or something. Yeah. And then I don't know how long later it actually happened. Yeah. And he couldn't control it. He was just sort of watching it just happen. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's like wild. And he'd told me about the dream as well. Like after it happened, I was like, that's just a, such a weird dream. <laughs> like what a weird thing to dream about. And then, yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And the one where he had a dream, something to do with his father and he woke mm. up and you, you had a similar dream or you had the same dream? Or? Yeah. We didn't have like the same dream the same way because, you know, we're not parasitic couple in that way. <laughs> um, but. I, in my dream, was – and we'll, we'll actually get to this, like, because I have I have the, this energy fields kind of, like, battle experience, like, okay. as something that happens sometimes. Okay. And um, this was – it was really intense in my dream, and I was, like, fighting this energetic force in my dream, like, with all my will and all my power. And mm. then Alex and I both woke up simultaneously – which was weird enough in itself. Yeah. And then we, we sort of wondered if there was a noise and when we went to check and the glass, the you know, that um, glass had broken just by itself on the table, some like a heat-treated um, uh, like latte glass yeah. had just like exploded on the table. So Did that happen in front of you or – no, like, like we we yeah. went out there and like the the Found glass out. was just sitting in a sort of like circular pile, like it Ugh. looked like it had actually just like crumbled in on itself, right? And it was still going like, yeah, wow. So yeah. it's, it feels like just some bad juju. Yeah, it was it was wild, and yeah, but, but we both felt like we'd won, right? You know? right like okay. it didn't it didn't feel like it got us it felt like we right. expelled it okay without That's sounding too like weird i know after the stuff i've heard today because i recorded another podcast today that doesn't sound too weird yeah <laughs> it, but it's interesting because like you could hear this stuff and easily go oh, okay that person's you know they're, they're delusional or they're just you know whatever you can say whatever you want but when you have all these people that have um experiences that have such a similar nature yeah like in, in terms of the way that this this otherworldly force reacts to their kind of fear or yeah. their, you know, or their intentions. Mm. Yeah. It's strange. Yeah, it is. It is odd. For me, I don't like to feel that it needs to have an explanation or a, mm. anything more to it than what it is. Like, I don't, I'm one of those people who I feel like is really lucky that I actually don't need to solve the riddle or... 
I'm not into conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. I don't have religion. I don't have any of that stuff. And that's just basically because I'm so okay with not knowing. Yeah. That that actually gives me a weird sense of peace. Yeah. And like I, I made my peace with that, and I'll I'll we'll go through why. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, you're fortunate. I mean, so, <laughs> people. I mean, I gotta say, it's been tempting at times for me to just go off the deep end in in terms of like looking into certain conspiracies and stuff like that but uh at the end of the day you stop focusing on more important things in your life i think if you get consumed well that's what i found just i had a little dose of it yeah i had a while where i was just like collecting as much of the most realist footage of like uh cryptids yeah right i could find yeah right because there's a, there's a lot of footage out there. Yeah. There's a lot of fake stuff as well. So, but every now and then I'd see something that looked so real. I'm like, oh, I got to take it. And I made this, um, I made like a supercut yeah. of all the good ones. Oh wow. Yeah, like there's this crazy one where uh, there's a news team out in the desert somewhere, and they're interviewing someone because they saw something strange out there. Something happened. Anyway, um, you just see in the bushes like a dark shape just suddenly sort of sets fire in the space of a second and disappears. Whoa. It looks like fire. It's just like in a blaze of light. Whoa. It just kind of like disappears. Yeah. We're, we're so far away from understanding everything. And I think that's, I guess that's kind of what I, I'm trying to say is like, mm. I feel like it's very arrogant to think that we're going to come up with like an answer mm. to this stuff when we're just like these puny humans yeah. and there's so much more to us and there's so much more to the universe that we're still not even scratching the surface yeah. of like we know more about the ocean than we do about our own brain yeah <laughs> you, you know like oh, oh yeah or space i mean consciousness is <laughs> is the big mystery yet scientists these days will still because they like to look like they have all the answers it's all like oh it's just a bunch yeah. of you know let's just neurons. answer it with some really reductive generalizations yeah. and and that's you know conspiracy theories like they do bring comfort to people because you're taking yeah. the ultimate chaos that is the world um and all the the you know competing dynamics of that and you're packaging it all up in a nice little comforting yeah. you know boat. Like, and and like, like i understand it yeah I know and it. like even yeah. even though like the the conspiracy theory itself might um you know be framed negatively as like something you know scary or um whatever it mm. still is going to give it like that's still more comforting to people than that feeling of not knowing whereas like i'm i'm down with the not knowing i'm like ooh, i like that yeah yeah it's like makes me makes me feel like you know, little and small and at the same time a part of everything. Yeah. That's good. And also it keeps you open-minded for, the, for whatever comes along in the future. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, yeah, I mean, throughout history, how many times have people had to, you know, through because of scientific, you know, breakthroughs, they've suddenly had to question everything oh, that they believed in. For sure, man. Like my, my dad, we won't get too much into this, but my dad made a discovery and it's taken him like 15 years of repeating this phenomena over and over and over again like assisting with levels of healing that defy science and in as he's done that he's also doing like poster presentations at neurology symposiums and like he's he's actually cutting it in the science world 
but it's just still so avant-garde. And even though he's got like full scientific theory um, stuff behind it, it's mm. it's all like uh, there's all data. Mm-hmm. It's it's still just so offensive to the scientific community because that little piece of information can unravel like hundreds of years of approved approved thinking. Yeah. And it's kind of, yeah. All these, like the whole, um, you know, the peer review process and, and just people who, their life's work and the, and all the, all the respect and... Ah, it's intense. Like when, when people like um, take the piss out of like scientists and ah, oh, that, you know, it's big pharma, blah, blah, blah. If they only knew how difficult it was to actually get something approved even for clinical testing... It's it's like so hard. It just takes like a decade, right. you know. Um, Are so you allowed to talk about this stuff that you? Oh yeah. So yeah. my my dad, um, he he founded a practice called Neurophysics Therapy, um, and what it does is it taps into the body's um, natural like sort of calibration system um, right. within the nervous system, and it's just like you just do it with normal weight training equipment and like he when you talk to him about it he goes into you know having to have like you know, stable parameters and blah, blah, blah. Right, <laughs> he yeah. goes yeah. right into all the science uh-huh. um but basically like if you slow down the time scale of your movements in those grid patterns that the machines like draw you into you have all of these expressions all of these like sub level expressions in your nervous system that um, all develop into like a release of energy and then and then out of that release of energy it like recalibrates so you'll be just doing say like a chest press right right but you do it like really really slow and then you hit certain points where you can feel that there's like um, a bit of a loss of signal and so you just like hang in that bit for a little while and then your body will just make all of these like completely involuntary movements like wild movements like almost like almost like what you see in um people who are getting faith healed and stuff like that yeah, where yeah. That, that that's all that's a real thing as well like that yeah. your nervous system actually does want to release energy and reset itself in that way so my dad has gotten like uh, it, it'd be up in the up around thirty probably people now who have had complete spinal injuries walking. Wow. Yeah, because the nervous system is not a linear system. Yeah, it's a non-linear dynamic adaptive system, and that's what he just kept kind of like looking at that. And the quantum nature of that in our bodies because we don't just have like nerves and lines and mechanical stuff. We also have like chemistry that communicates. Yeah. And well, it makes total sense. Yeah. And so he's just like found this this easy workaround and there's no spirituality involved in yeah. it. There's no it's all on the person. Like the person mm-hmm. has to kind of um you got to stay really calm. It is very meditative, mm-hmm. but it is like pretty confronting. Like when you start going into like these wild tremors, mm-hmm. um, and at first they're really anarchic, and then you know as that's happening, like if if you're being instructed, like the the clinician will sort of explain that. Well, you know, right now it's anarchic because it's like releasing all of this energy that has been kind of like built up 
you know, and left left in places. Um, and that needs to build up so that you can reach an escape velocity out of like yeah. out of all of those um, patterns. And mm-hmm. then when you, as soon as you hit that point, and it's like this this like click of the fingers point, you'll go from being like really dramatic, tremory kind of like epileptic, anarchic level movement. Mm to fluid da Vinci symmetrical, almost like balletic kind of um, fluid movement. That's so interesting. I've never heard of anything like that. So He's actually got a documentary coming out really soon. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So the idea is that, you know, within all your movements, there are certain places, little markers where there are things like that are being um, like neglected. Yeah, um, it's it's not even that much of a muscular biomechanical thing. It's okay. more of a like, if, if you think about just how our minds work as well, like it's, it's the, yeah, sort of the it's same more thing. More neurological, it's like yeah. You get pulled in. You get pulled into like patterns of thought, and like the, some of those patterns are not that's, not good for you. You know, yeah. like it, it's like that's in your body. It makes sense that it's connected. Yeah, that's, of course, that's in your body. Like your your mind can't be different to what your body yeah. is. Wow, what an original approach, hey. Yeah. I love that. He's I love such, that. He's such a mad dog, my dad. Yeah. He, he was like a full-on bodybuilder until he was like, I don't know, almost 60. Really? Okay. Like a shredded, cool. huge bodybuilder. Yeah. Um, and he still does like sprints in the sand and stuff, but he's just like this really sweet, nice dude, like quiet dude. Yeah. Um, oh, and he's only got a went to idea as well now. Yeah, so only went to like exciting. year nine at school, and now he gets like accidentally called Professor Ken Ware all the time because, <laughs> you know, because his his like um, research has just been so intense, and it like crosses over so many different science disciplines as well. Yeah. So um, yeah, so that's kind of like I think that's part of what's been helpful in. You know, as we'll get into, I definitely have some supra sensitivities, and I think being able to just be chill about that mm. and just like accept that as being, yeah. you know, everything's a blessing and a curse kind of thing, and and just like my job is to like do no harm with those things to myself or other people, and yeah. just try and be. Can I swear? On here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. try and be a good person. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's get into some of these. Okay. Stories. So, um, when I was eight years old, uh, my I, I lived in far north Queensland in Mackay. So you know, summers were always hanging out with the person that you knew with a swimming pool, and so right. um, this summer was the summer of. Peter McGlynn and she was like yeah come over and we'll swim in my pool and I was like oh that's so awesome we had a sleep overnight before and like we'd been swimming all day the day before and got up in the morning and her mum went down the road her mum was a nurse her mum went down the road to go and hang out with her friend and Peter and I were playing in the swimming pool and I made up a game where um, you'd like prop yourself up sort of like um, parallel bars style on the handles of the pool ladder and swing yourself backwards and forwards to propel yourself as far as you could into the middle of the pool. Oh, yeah. Right? So, you're like... (laughs) Okay, I can see where this is heading. Peter was, like, thinking this was really, 
you know, this was a fun game and she thought she'd give me a little help. Um, And instead of pushing me upon like release phase with my legs pointing towards the pool, she pushed me on the backswing and I, like my hands, of course, like came off the handles of the ladder Mm -hmm. and I smashed like my rib cage and diaphragm into the edge of the pool and I distinctly remember like it's the clearest image still to this day all of the air bubbles coming out of my mouth in front of my eyes as I could just see the whole bottom of the pool like my eyes must have been so wide under the water and then I managed to get myself up out of the pool And I remember walking along the edge of the pool, trying to speak, trying to say like that I couldn't breathe, but I had, I was so badly winded that there was just no way. So I'm walking along the edge of the swimming pool, trying to say that I couldn't breathe, but of course, like I'd been winded so badly that no air was coming out. So I'm going, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And... I passed out and fell into the pool. Oh, no. So, Peter unsuccessfully tried to get my lifeless body <laughs> out of the swimming pool for um, what what could have, like, I mean, I'm assuming it was at least a minute before she kind of freaked out and realised that she'd have to go get her mum. Yeah. Um, and then she ran down the road, little eight-year-old legs, running down the road to go and get her mum because this was like before mobile. Were you still at the bottom of the pool? Yeah, I was still face down in the pool. Um, And then her mum got to, you know, came racing back and thank God her mum was a nurse because like she could get me out and give me CPR. So... How much time had passed? I, I I don't know. Like, okay. it was, you know, it was the 70s, man. No one kind of... <laughs> no, it was, no, it wasn't. It was the early 80s. So um, Everyone was high back then, but, even but the kids. But I, I would say, like, it, it would have had to... I, I, I would have had to have been, like, no breathing for at least five minutes. And um, I had no pulse when her mum got back. My heart had stopped beating by the time her mum got back. So, um, you know, it would have been however long it took her to revive me from that point. Um, So, yeah. So, during this time, for me, though, I had an extraordinary experience in that I was just, uh, like, had this sense of being in in a molecular state Like, I have no other way of explaining that. And I've only understood the words that to express that. But it was like being either in a molecular or like a energetic form where I wasn't, I wasn't in a body. I wasn't a person. I wasn't. You were non corporeal. I was, yeah. But like, it wasn't like, oh, I think I'm dead. It was like. I am now just in the galaxy. I am, yeah. I am just in, like, uh, uh, yeah, just being part of the galaxy and, and like, being in space, like, literally being in a galactic environment. Yeah. So, I was, like, surrounded by stars and and lights and, 
and having that sense of just being like uniform with that. Yeah. Like not being separate to it, just being like it's what the you know it's a part it's of the it. big one being one with the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, when <laughs> when I got revived, um, I came to as I was expelling water from my lungs, like I was breathing out, but yeah. water, not air. Yeah. So I had that like, <sighs> of just breathing water out, and then. You know, um, Mrs. McGlynn was like making sure that I knew how, who I was and where I was. And yeah, five minutes is so long. I was like, yep, you know, and I was fine. And I stood up and I like was looking at my hands and arms and feet and legs. And it just all seemed so hysterically ridiculous. Like having a body. Seemed like the most hilarious joke. Funny so had, meat suit. <laughs> at the age of eight, you were confronted with like the most existential yes. kind of thing you could experience. Yeah. Like that is the existential yeah. experience. And it was just like, what a ridiculous, what a ridiculous organism. That's, you know, that's, it just felt like profoundly comical. Wow, yeah. You know? Just a meat suit. Yeah. Yeah. And just like, but so like, so, uh, I don't know. I guess I guess that it was a real um, humbling thing as well, like humans yeah. thinking that they're so, and I guess that's why I, I do think like it's ridiculous of us in our, hum- in our puny human form. Yeah to think that we're actually going to ever <laughs> grapple yeah. with the truth, the, the big truth, yeah. big T truth that's out there. And, like, we've just got to be chill and enjoy what this experience means for us, you know, which is... So, like, as an eight-year-old, trying to comprehend profoundness like that. Yeah. Was well, it something that was... Because you, were, because you physically were there, that it just hardwired itself into your... Into your I, I think so. Hey, I think it just... it It's just given me this very kind of... Um, like, I, I really understood the impermanence yeah. of it and that there's more to us than this experience that we have that is this life. Yeah. But that's immaterial, so there's mm. no point in dwelling on that either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a comforting thought, but there's no point in like trying to bring. But if you're forced to, to what what would you say the, the point the point of this life is? The point of this life, even though you know you just said that it doesn't matter to you. It it is the it's the basic dumb boring stuff that creates awe. You mm. know, it's like the oh that little bird that flew into the window. Come here, little mm-hmm. thing. It's that sunset. So you don't, you don't see that, it as some sort of like you know, proto-existence for a higher plane, like some metaphysical thing, no? I just don't don't feel like I care. Okay. Like, I, I don't... I, I feel like if, if it is, then yeah. me knowing about that or thinking that yeah. isn't going to help anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, our, our job here is to understand... I, I think our job here is to understand and live in awe. Yeah. Like, find, find the awe. I kind of wish I was a bit like that because something about, like, the way I'm wired, for example, is, is the opposite. Like, <clears throat> everything I see in here always passes through 
all the other data that I've got in my head when it comes to the meaning of what things are. And I, and it's like, yeah, it does bog you down. Well, sometimes, I, sometimes you get like carried away with not living, you know? Well, I definitely got a good reboot, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I got to die. Wow. <laughs> I got to actually die. So, yeah, so that... So after this, after this happened, some things did change for me. Like it, it did make me different to how I was before, and it made me feel different to other kids. And but not not in a like spooky way or a judgy way or a. I just felt more like I was observing than I had ever really experienced before. Okay, and that that's probably as close as I'm going to be able to get to. Explaining yeah. it without sounding like, yeah. you know, some like well, you, had, you had a you had a different perspective that wasn't like a dream. Yeah, you had a perspective that felt more like real than real. I guess. Yeah, and so that changed a bit, but also I did feel like the intensity of some moments in how sensitive I was to other human beings' emotional states were. Like, even now, I don't think being older makes this any easier, but I I actually can't be around people that, like, are super high on drugs and stuff like that because it actually just, it interferes with my nervous system. It agitates. Like, it directly interferes with my, my nervous system, even if I didn't know that they were... Like, it's, I find it really difficult and it's not mm. a judgment thing. It's just a, course, like yeah. it actually, it's like feedback. Mm-hmm. It's like a feedback loop. Do you think because it's an unnatural state and there's the No, because it happens also with people that are just terrible people. Right. And like I'll in, instinctively, intuitively, viscerally just... In my, it's like my DNA actually just sends resonance. Mm-hmm. So it's like it is like feedback. It's and it's almost a noise. Like yeah. it, it almost does have a noise. Right. So like that. That's a weird thing that happens to me that I just like live with. <laughs> yeah. um, Has it ever caused any sort of situations in your life? Uh, only when I know that somebody's a terrible person and it takes ages for other people to realize and yeah. like then then that becomes really hard for me because like I feel like I am being deliberately antagonistic of, about a person but it's like I'm just actually yet to that feeling that mm. that signal is yet to be incorrect like I've actually never it doesn't. It doesn't happen a lot, thankfully. But in these terms, what do you define as, like, a bad person or someone who's a shit person? Um, people that have malice in their intent and manipulate people yeah. maliciously, desperate people that are really desperate are dangerous. Yeah. To me, like, I can't be around that energy. Even if I feel like I'd like to help them, I can't. Malicious people are, like, by far the worst, though, when, when they have malicious intent yeah. in them. I just, like, I actually physically feel it through my whole body and I can't stay in the same space as them. It's, like, right. no matter how hard I try to buy into their um, exterior persona. So, I this is something that you just sense. Yeah, and that like has been proven true. Yeah, uh, if you if you ask, of course out, you can't. It's like, not mention something that I'd ever talk yeah, about. Like sure. to like, like I don't go around saying, "Hey, I've got a really good mm. barometer for terrible people." But I 
I have literally never, ever, ever, ever been steered wrong by this because it doesn't come out of my brain. It's not like, oh, I hate her hair. You know, like it doesn't come out of my brain. It it makes a noise in my body. It's like my body makes a noise at me. Yeah. And it's like the... Like I can almost, like I said, I can, you know how you, when you're underwater and stuff, you can hear your nervous system? Yeah. I can kind of hear my nervous system most of the time. Okay. So, it's like when this stuff happens, <laughs> it's like. Look, I mean, that doesn't sound <laughs> totally like far. I mean, I knew a girl who had a Doberman and it could really tell when a person got bad energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would always be friendly, but sometimes someone would come along and it would just like go ape shit. Yeah. And that's it. Like I yeah. I usually do prefer to hang out with animals and kids <laughs> <laughs> for that exact reason because yeah. we know who to stay away from. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful for it. And yeah. you know what? Like while we're investigating that, I have exactly the same thing for really, really good people. Right. You know, like guys would know uh, Karis Morecombe who does like electric shots. She does the photography, a lot of photography stuff around town. And, like, the first, like, the instant I met her, I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're a good person. Yeah, and like, just, yeah. it just, no, I just know. I just well, know look, if it's, if it's been reliable to you, that's yeah. that's such a, that's yeah. an enviable thing to have you in don't life. Don't question it. Yeah. So, that's just, like, a quirky hangover from that. But the other thing is... Um, I don't know if anyone's talked to you about having, like, psychic connection with their kids. No, not on yet. here yet. So, um, I don't think it's that uncommon. I actually would I would expect that most parents at some stage will, will have a thing that happens that mm-hmm. they're like, I just knew. I just knew you were in trouble. Yeah. So, um, out of respect for Riley, who's now a man of his own, I won't tell any of his stories, but... <laughs> I asked Theo's permission if it was okay to share, but uh, one, we were eating squid calamari mm-hmm. for dinner that we'd made and um, we'd, we'd all finished and Theo was like a notoriously slow eater, so we'd all stepped away from the table and um, I was off doing something and then I just like, I didn't even have a thought, I just like bolted and knew that he was choking. Like, I before I even got there and saw that he was choking, I just knew that he was choking. Right. It was like I felt it in my body that that's what was happening. Yeah. And so, I went. So, you just found yourself running yeah. into him. Yeah, it yeah. was like I'd got a text saying, Theo's choking, and then ran into the room. <laughs> you know, it was choking that. Choking is silent. Yeah. I almost. And he, he was. Yeah. He was, like, in real trouble, and I had oh, to kind of, like, Heinlich maneuver him, and um, he was... He had changed the colours and stuff. It was not... Oh, no. It was, like, scary, scary moment. Holy crap. Like, I... um, My wife said a joke to me the other day when I was taking a sip of coffee, and I breathed in the coffee, and I just blasted coffee all over the wall. <laughs> and she found it so funny. Because <laughs> I'm, like... Ch- like, you know how I just had that coughing fit? Yeah. It was, like, worse, because I couldn't breathe in. I was like... Oh, <laughs> uh, like yeah. That. And she just, like, laughed in my face oh, as I'm, like, looking no. at her pointing at my throat. <laughs> Like, help me. It's so funny because, like, like when you're actually choking, it's it's the scariest thing oh, in the yeah. world. Oh, yeah. Like, every part of your system is like, yeah. this is an emergency right now. You're going to die. What I always found weird, though, is like, how come I can hold my breath in a swimming pool for, like, a minute? Yeah. But if I'm choking, it takes four seconds for me to feel like, like I'm about to die. Drama queen, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, come on, mate. Calm down. Up. What about you? 
alveoli. <laughs> calm, t- <laughs> calm down, drama queen alveoli. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that, but there's been lots of, like, there's heaps of those sorts of stories. Right. Um, but very recently, like, Theo had been admitted to hospital um, due to some ongoing mental health you know trials and tribulations he has but uh so he'd he'd gone into hospital and he was he was feeling a lot better and was like wanting to come home and then there was just this really intense like episode in hospital um with these other kids where they you know because like these kids are like you don't get admitted to hospital unless yeah, you're they had problems, right, in so. danger. You know, you're actually yeah. got to be in danger to go into hospital. So, uh, yeah, I, I won't go into what happened with these kids, but right. it there's some you know dark stuff that you don't want to like even hear a story about, let alone be in the same room as. And yeah. um, we were at home, and I was just like, I had been kind of like you know, happy in the afternoon, really looking forward to Theo coming home the next day. And then at exactly the same time that this stuff was going down, I just like, my whole body just went like into this weird paralysis. Like I just felt paralyzed and I just couldn't move. It was like, I was like really, really cold or something. And, uh, and that continued for about 25 minutes. And then, about 10 minutes later, we got a phone call from Theo just, like, saying that he was really upset and that this thing had happened. I was almost relieved that I'd gotten to hear from him and stuff because, like, yeah. what what my, my physiology had gone through yeah. in that time was, like, really scary. Like, I, yeah, like, yeah. I, I fully felt like I was in a really super-duper terrifying, paralyzing situation. Yeah. So, yeah, I think um, when – and maybe this is why my um, defense system is so high is because, like, if I love you, <laughs> I will probably feel what your nervous system feels right. if it gets, like, too up or too down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've had this same experience with my friends lots of times, like mm. – you know, will I be like, how did you know? And I was like, I don't know. I just felt like you're not doing very well. Are you okay? Or Wow. So, that's the super sensitivity of Mel, which is why I'm like, pretend that I'm like this hard bastard. But in actual fact, like, <laughs> I've got to be, it's like I lost my crusty exterior when I went zooming around in space when I was eight. Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, so, that sort of stuff just makes me immediately think, you know, what the fuck is that <laughs> i want to know yeah i don't know damn it yeah not all of us have been like you know one with the universe yeah well i, I don't know i just I'd, I'd love to just uh understand the otherworldly or whatever kind of quantum physics that goes into it mm. i think i can't help but feel it's somehow connected to like if i wasn't so busy and kept doing 10 million things all the time i'd probably have looked into it a bit more but i can't help feel like it's got something to do with like frequency type stuff because like a lot of what accompanies these feelings is like a sound but it's not sound in my ears it's like sound in my brain and i can't really Mm. even explain what what that means i think eventually there's gonna have to be some type of hopefully when enough time passes there's the right type of way of explaining this yeah 
Yeah, but it like it is. It's like m- maybe it's just a quantum thing that yeah. we we do share. Like when when you're close to people, you do literally share atoms yeah. <laughs> with each other. You know, like you you breathe out and you breathe in, and you're sharing carbon atoms and. You know, so, like, maybe there's just a, a bit of, like, weird co- quantum coding on that stuff that yeah. that makes you more tuned in with each other or mm. that's my stuff, which isn't really anything spooky other than that I live with my own spookiness. Yeah. So, it's not... It's <laughs> Sounds like you, you come to terms with it, like, yeah. quite well. Yeah, it's like, yes. I don't feel like I, you know... I have tried to move things with my mind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't everybody? <laughs> I've just been so lazy sometimes yeah, just because of that. Too much of a dud power. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just need to move myself away when people yeah. are not nice people are around me. Yeah. That's it. Um, you're talking about frequencies and spectrums and stuff. like mm. it's, All these conversations seem to always come back to that. Mm. That there's a strong feeling that most people have that there's something just... Just next to where we are. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's like, yeah. I, I just don't think that our sensory system and even the, like you think about all the biases that are even in our advanced technology because we still need to be able to sense it. Yeah. We need to see it or whatever. Like we, So, like we've got all of these interpretive biases that, are geared towards our puny human senses. Whereas, like, what if there's stuff that we just can't ever interpret with the faculties that we have? Mm. Like, there could be stuff that you can't describe as a spectrum because that would be too two-dimensional. Yeah. But, like, that's all we understand because that's what we... That's our universe. That's our reality. So, like, I definitely believe that there's things that exist beyond our capacity to interpret that information. Yeah. That's the way I see it. I look forward to a day where that gets taken a bit more seriously, scientifically. Yeah. I think that'll be great. I mean, isn't there enough anecdotal evidence for it to be at least looked at without being yeah just mocked? And yeah, just I, think, I think it's getting old now because even now, I mean, there's a whole bunch of UFO stuff recently that's been declassified. Mm. Um, this documentary just came out, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. Oh. Stephen Greer, um, he's like one of the leading UFO guys. He claims that for the last few presidents, he's been asked to present them with information on what's going on. Oh, and yeah. his interpretation of the whole UFO thing is that it's technology that has an ability to go between our side and their side. I mean, that's why so often when you see what, you know, quote unquote ghosts or, yeah. or paranormal phenomena, yeah. it's always so fuzzy because it's it's just a bit of a, a signature from the other side that well, leaks through. That that makes complete sense because like we know that electrons can be in two places at once. Mm. Why are we so yeah. opposed to this idea that, that we could be observing things occasionally that are just literally in two places at once? It feels like we only want to accept new truths that make us feel like we have more power. And control, yeah. And and you're more control. Yeah. Because stuff like this, I mean, you know Tom DeLonge from Blink-182? Oh, yeah, yeah. He quit the band to start his own uh, UFO kind of, uh, I don't know what they do, but I think they study and they collect UFO phenomena. Yeah. And recently they've just gotten a contract with the US government, something to do with materials. Yeah, wow. So it could be like reverse engineering something. Yeah, yeah. And um, the way he describes the whole UFO cover-up is that it's not 
you know, people have all these conspiracy theories like, oh, it's because of power, it's because mm. of this. And um, it's just because people just, they will not handle it. Mm. And the way humanity seems to be constructed in the terms of like media and storytelling and everything mm-hmm. that we seem to be surrounding ourselves with is kind of giving us this false sense of power, of mm. control. Mm. And I guess to understand all of this and to realize how insignificant we are, I mean, I don't, I don't really know the effect. I can't know, but like... Mm. Oh, well, look, look how people reacted to the coronavirus, like not wanting to believe in that because it threatens their sense of control, you know, like yeah. anything that threatens your sense of control. I don't believe it. It's big pharma. It's like oh, I had some great theories, 5G, it's Bill Gates. It's mm. because like this one little virus, you know, tiny little thing can just completely undo our puny human reality yeah. that we created to tell ourselves that we, we control time and we control the places that we need to be and we control. Yeah. And it's actually done some interesting things in that in shutting everybody down like it did, it's created lots of innovation. Like it's actually innovated mm. more than it has actually depreciated because- Like how? Well, just everyone had to adapt. Yeah. yeah. And that's like the perfect situation for ad- for innovation is where you're forced to adapt. And like, so people had to think creatively about how they were going to communicate with each other or pull projects off mm-hmm. or, you know, survive for some people. Look at what's happened with the arts community where I think it's been especially poignant for Perth where we've suddenly realised that we don't even really need venues to reach our audiences mm. <laughs> because, like, we're not really reaching a lot of audiences in in our local That's true. circuit anyway. So, yeah. like, so there's been, like, all of this extra layer of observation and innovation and I think we're about to head in some really fantastic, exciting times where people have, like, actually had – to work outside of the rules during this time. Mm. So, like, even though we all got locked down, we all had to work outside of the rules to continue. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I think that that atmosphere is going to, you know, carry through into when we're all released into the wilderness again. I, I reckon yeah. I reckon we're going to see a healthy dose of anarchy and change. And anarchy is not a bad word either. It's just not monarchy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's get back to some, like, proto-anarchy <laughs> where it is just innocent change and mm-hmm. independent behaviour and the dynamics that comes out of community and people working outside of the structure. Yeah. That's another episode, though. I think that's a different <laughs> podcast. <laughs> different podcast. <laughs> All I know is that it did reveal our weaknesses, that's for sure. Mm. And one thing that hit me personally was that we're all becoming alienated from each other the way we're going, this path that we're headed mm. down. Like, especially when all the lockdown restrictions were starting, mm. you go to the shops and there's no kind of sense of community there. There's a sense of hostility and like, just stay the fuck away from me. Mm. Yeah. That's definitely the vibe I got. Um, my friend works at Coles in Melbourne mm-hmm. and she said that people just became animals. Yeah. Like, yeah. they were, they're, like, basically rioting for toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. And here we are a month later, and the shelves are overstocked with toilet yeah. paper. People just, like, outright stealing in front of each other, snatching out of each other's trolleys. It was... Yeah. I think we have to have a look at ourselves and 
our little lives that we're living virtually, that we live yep. um, vicariously through through fucking movies mm. and through like reality the- television and yeah, that's a that's that's a poison. Yeah, well, I mean, I would hope that this period of time of being like away from each other and forced apart will make people appreciate how valuable it is to have people in your life and yeah. and there has been a lot of really amazing closeness that's come out of this period of time as well. That's true. Like maybe maybe because it I I think before people were going on Facebook and the social platforms as a means of observing connection rather than becoming connected. Yeah. So it was like a, a cathartic choice that they could make where they could sort of feel like they were a part of something without actually having to physically go and, you know, rock up to a show or whatever, but they could still sort of feel like they were participating in the community. But I think what we've seen is, like, people are putting even more effort into that and, like, really being a lot more vulnerable and open and even just people showing selfies of themselves with no hair or makeup done and just in their trackies. And, like, I know that's not really such a big deal maybe to to dudes, but I think as a general cultural marker, Mm. the fact that we've gotten to a point now where we can see women particularly as just like human beings in their houses has actually been like a really nice, um, generous, human-to-human closeness kind of thing that, I don't know, I'm really interested to see how that's going to translate as we move forward. I hope that if you have insights about, you know, the world suddenly ending. I hope that you let me know about that. <laughs> or if we're all going to sort of enter into this nirvana paradise all of a sudden. Some, yeah. It's been a really interesting conversation. Thanks yeah, so much thanks for letting for me, me um, for sharing your stories. Yeah, no worries. I'm sorry I didn't have more like exciting, you know, ghosts or visitors from another planet, but it sounds like you've got lots of people that have had those sorts of stories. Yeah. So. I think everyone has something. Yeah. You know, that's so uh, that's, if you that's do have something, reach out to Paulo. Yeah. You've got something, reach out and let him know because he'll come and have a chat. I want to hear it. Yeah. I want to hear from everyone. Yeah. Even like uh, flat earthers and anti-vaxxers. I just want to. Yeah. I just want to hear your thing. Yeah. I think we have to listen to each other. Definitely. But also, you know, I like weird stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks everyone for listening. Please uh, like and subscribe and follow and all that sort of stuff. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for having me. Bye. You've been listening to the Fear of the Unknown podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media with all links in the description.